What up, what up? You're listening to the 2BD Podcast with RT2. We got a very special conversation coming up, so uh, stay tuned. And as always, what comes next is to be determined. Welcome back once again to another episode of the 2BD Podcast with your host as always, RT2. Um, One of the things... I wanted to talk about with this episode. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen in these past couple of days, these past couple of weeks, um, going on nationally is the Derek Chauvin. Chauvin, Chavin, Chauvin, I, I don't really know his last name. Um, to be honest, I don't really care what his last name is. Um, but his, his trial um, has been going on for the past couple of weeks. And, you know, like, I'm sure a lot of people, I wasn't really tuning in from the beginning. I didn't really want to tune in from the beginning. Um, I'm sure a lot of people share the same sentiment of just, I don't want to see any more of this. This is fucking terrible. And, you know, it's going to be some more bullshit. It's going to be some more um of his defense strumming up excuses for the reason why he was killed or the fact that he wasn't killed and that he was um under the influence that he was not responding to the officer's orders all that types of stuff you know no one wants to go through that shit again that's the same shit that went on um when George Floyd was killed and it's the same shit that goes on every single time that one of us um another black man or another citizen is killed um so yeah originally i was just gonna stay out of it stay tuned out of it and just you know await the verdict like everyone else and you know be disappointed and heartbroken once again because that's it's all too often that that's the case but it's it's always the case um these officers are not held accountable for their actions and the system exists to protect itself and to protect those involved in it. Um, so that was originally my stance and, you know, I'm sure some of you listening are like, well, yeah, if that was your original stance, why didn't you stick to it? Cause now we got to talk about it and now we got to hear you talk about it. Um, which, you know, shit, it happens. Um, Paying attention to the news, um, one of the days that I was driving home from work, I was just listening to um, a newscast, and I just caught, like, they were going through clips of one of the days um, of testimony from the trial, and, um, you know, just hearing some of the testimony from the people who were there, from the people who were involved, from the witnesses, from the cashier at the store that George Floyd was at from the people, the bystanders who saw, um, the officer essentially murder him. And just some of the things that they had to say, it, it, it pulled me back in and it kind of, it kind of tugged on me, um, in a way that I wasn't necessarily prepared for. Cause you know, like, like we all witnessed um, over the past year, um, 
George Floyd's murder was very visible. Um, I mean, it happened in May and it was at a time where everyone was stuck at home and everyone wasn't doing everything that they would normally do. They weren't going outside and doing things. And it's like at a time where in the past we've had these murders and we continue to have these murders by police at the hands of the police. And it's, it's not as quick. The outreach doesn't come as quick and it's not as visible that quick. Um, normally in most cases, um, the footage that we do get isn't necessarily bystander footage. It's footage from the police officers. Um, and it's like body cam footage or dash cam footage that's released months and months after the, after the time that it occurs. But, um, in this case, that wasn't the case. Um, George Floyd, as we know, wasn't shot. He wasn't shot multiple times. He was, he was, he was unable to breathe and essentially he was, he was choked to death um by the officer and it wasn't via officer footage that we were able to witness this it was from bystanders i believe the main footage was shot by like a teenage girl who was just standing on the sidewalk and witnessed it and um had the courage to stand there and record um so with that um the reaction and the catalyst was so quick um and with everyone being at home everyone was tuned into it so it's like the the murder of george brought so much um awareness and so much so much of a reaction from across the country and you know we all know how how um, massive the movements of people in the streets and just the the countrywide reckoning of what went on this past summer. We all have seen the gravity of it. So, um, and again, this was something that happened in the past. So I thought, and I truly felt as though like there wasn't anything that could have been brought up or anything that could have happened throughout this case in this trial that would have brought me back to a certain place because it was like with how visible this was and every other murder um of civilian at the hands of the police that I've seen it's like there's there's not much really that shocks you anymore um but in those cases in most of the cases you know it's not as visible and you don't pay attention to all that goes on with it um, and because of the eyes that are on this, even just having eyes in the courtroom and this trial is being broadcast by all these news stations and it's like breaking news now, um, we're seeing all of what is going down um, behind the scenes in the courtroom. Um, so, you know, just listening to just the witness testimony you're talking about like these are one these are a lot of these people are minors that are involved in this like one of the first testimonies I heard um from the uh the uh cashier who was working there at the store um I forget the name of the the store but it was like a it was like a corner store a quick store um that 
he sold um, George Floyd cigarettes that night, and Floyd had paid with a $20 bill, as we all know. Um, and the cashier was a teenager. Um, he was under the impression that George did not know that the bill was counterfeit. And so he really didn't want to um, get George in any kind of trouble or get um, make it to be a bigger situation than it was because he didn't feel as though he was trying to like make money off of or just he didn't feel as though this was a faulty transaction. It was just it just happened to be a fake um, 20 that he paid with. But um, he talked about in his testimony how like the store policy or the the new policy for all the workers was essentially that anybody that accepts money that isn't real um, is going to have to end up paying for it out of their own paycheck. Um, a matter of fact, I'll play I'll play a couple of the clips from his testimony just so you can get a better understanding of the situation. After he left, did you uh, look at the bill again? I did. At the time that you were working on May 25th of 2020, what was the store policy about uh, cashiers accepting $20 bills? The policy was that if you took a counterfeit bill, you would have to pay for it out of your money or your paycheck. And it gives you an incentive to be careful about what you take? Yes. All right. So did you think that bill might not be legitimate? I did. So what did you decide to do? Um, I took it anyways, and I was planning to just put it on my tab um, until I second-guessed myself. And as you can see in the video, I kept examining it, and then I eventually told my manager. All right. And when you told your manager, um, what what happened next? What, what, was, what were you told to do? He told us to go out to the vehicle and to ask him to come inside to discuss what just went, just happened. Your manager, um, you know, what were your instructions? Just to go out to the vehicle and ask him to come inside to talk to the manager. And did you in fact do that? Yes. All right. When you went out there, um, well, let me ask you this, how many times did you go out there? Twice. So let's talk about the first time that you went out there. Did you go by yourself or with some other people? The first time I went with one other person. What was going through your mind during that time period? Uh, uh, disbelief and guilt. Okay. Why guilt? Um, if I would have just not taken the bill, this could have been avoided. So you just heard in the video, like, once again, this was a teenager that was essentially forced to escalate the situation um, by his managers at the store um and they told him to go outside and bring george back into the store and talk about like once again this this is a teenager if you're the manager of the store why is this why is this duty being directed onto someone else um someone lesser um of a position um and mind you deducting um pay from an employee's paycheck for any counterfeit money that's accepted 
I don't believe it's legal in any parts of the country, but um, in Minneapolis, that is definitely not the case. That is completely illegal for an employer to do so. So again, this is this is really a kid that's being forced to do something. He's being he's being put on high alert to be some sort of you know um, forensic analyzer of all the money that comes through the store, as well as confronting. Um, somebody who, in the case of the store, if that's the case that he did pay with um, a counterfeit bill on purpose and in whatever case, and if it's the case that it is someone with ill intent and a criminal, this is now a store that's making a teenager confront somebody about that. Um, and he he talked about in his testimony like um, that he was in disbelief and essentially how he feels as though if he would have just let it slide it would have all been avoided and Floyd wouldn't have had to have died um and there was there was other testimony um we also heard from the um another teenager a teenage girl who actually recorded the video that we've all seen um, of of George Floyd's murder. Um, it was a 17-year-old girl who, you know, through her testimony, she wasn't in court. Um, I believe she recorded it through, um, I believe it was a video testimony or something like that. She's a minor. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just hearing the way that that testimony um, you could hear in her testimony how it affected her and how it's continually affecting her, having to have witnessed him just be murdered directly in front of her. And the only thing that she knew for certain that she could do is record the incident and feeling helpless. And I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine having the strength. I can't even imagine having the restraint to um just have to witness that and just have to sit there and watch a lynching in broad daylight in front of your face um and having the wherewithal to record and upload and having to have that video because it's the video that you took and you see it shared everywhere and it's it's shaking in the country and it's something that you were there and for her to feel as though, oh, I should have done more. Oh, if I would have done more, he would have still be here today. It's like that's that's not something that you can bear um, on yourself. Uh, would you tell the ladies and gentlemen how you're viewing experiencing what happened to George Floyd has affected your life. When I look at George Floyd, I look at I look at my dad, I look at my brothers, I look at my cousins, my uncles because they are all black. I have black I have a black father, I have a black brother, I have black friends. And I, I look at that and I look at how that could have been one of them. It's been nights 
I stayed up apologizing and and apologizing to George Floyd for not doing more and not physically interacting and not saving his life but it's like it's not what I should have done it's what he should have done um and on top of her testimony there was also um the testimony of a nine-year-old witness who was on the scene tell us what happened after you saw the ambulance come Yes, the ambulance had to push him off of him. And how did that happen? Did they simply come in an ambulance and then go up to push him off, or what happened? They asked him nicely to get off of him. And when they asked him nicely to get off of him, what did he do? He still stayed on him. And then what happened after he still stayed on him? What did the ambulance people do? They just had to put him off and get off of him. Uh, are you able to, to tell us, having been there on this day and seeing the, the officer on top of George Floyd, how did you feel about that? How did it affect you? I was sad and kind of mad. Um, and now we're getting into, like, babies, literal babies in this country are having to stand up and having to serve some sort of duty in order to convict this murderer in the most open and shut case that you could have ever seen in your life in regards to a police murder. It was clear and obvious. Um, it's so clear and obvious that this man murdered him in cold blood in front of people for whatever racist whatever reason um and the fact that again we're dealing with police and the structures whether it be the police whether it be the city government council whatever whether it be the police unions whether it be the law the legal system whatever the jurors whatever it may be we're dealing with a system that will do everything that it can in order to protect and make sure that this officer does not go to jail or this officer is not prosecuted to the fullest extent in which he should be um they can even regardless if he does go to jail if they can lessen his sentence to an extent that's a win for them that's a win for the unions that's a win for the blue line that's a win for all of them um and the fact that the only evidence that is necessary essentially is the video because it's so fucking damning there's there's no way you can watch that video and have any other takeaway other than he wanted to kill this man um but in spite of that, we're having to re-traumatize children, literal babies, a fucking nine-year-old kid. In order to get justice or whatever semblance of justice. And at the end of the day, having still in the back of my mind, still in, I'm sure, most of your minds, knowing that whatever happens, even if something does happen... 
it probably won't happen. He'll probably get off, or if he does get off, regardless of it, it's it's still it's still not enough. It's still one step away from happening again. It's all good and fine and dandy that the police chief or other police officers say, oh, no, he shouldn't have done this, he shouldn't have died, but it's like, okay, you can talk about it as much as you want. I'm glad for the first time in your career and your entire existence as an officer of the law that you have the gall to call out another police officer. But that's not going to stop it from happening again. The only thing that's going to stop it from happening again is changing the system, is letting this system implode from the inside out and starting again with something else. The only way that something changes is these police officers actually have this power taken away from them. These unions have this power taken away from them. And the most, like going through all the other testimony, um, it was bad. It was bad to listen to. And it, it, like I said, it tugged on me and shook me. But it's like the worst of it all was listening to um, at the end. Um, I heard the testimony of a, a firefighter, a Minneapolis firefighter who arrived at the scene and she arrived at the scene and was speaking to the police officers on the scene, essentially saying, Hey, are you checking on him? Are you making sure he's okay? Hey, he's not responsive. This, that, and the third, Hey, I can help him out. I can, I can perform CPR or whatever. Um, procedures need to be done on him he's unresponsive can you help him out can you let me can you allow me to help him out um and when I heard her testimony I I was driving home and I just I broke down in tears um just the fact that you regardless of the fact that you don't feel as though he's a human being and it's just fuck his life at the end of the day um, and regardless of the bystanders that are saying stuff that are trying to step in, whatever, whatever may be the case, someone else in your field, in your profession, you don't even respect enough to engage with, to essentially say, hey, fuck off. We're going to do this. Um, and just having someone else medically trained right there in front of you trying to fix the situation saying hey you're going too far you're going to kill this man and your entire response is then I guess I'm going to kill this man so based on your training and experience and what you had seen um, what did you want to do for this person on the ground had had they let me into the scene, I, I already had decided what his level of consciousness was, so I would have requested additional help. I would have wanted someone to call 911 for the paramedics and fire to come. I would have asked someone to run to the gas station and look for an AED. Um, 
and I would have checked his I would have checked his airway I would have been worried about his a spinal cord injury because he had so much weight on his neck I would have opened his airway to check if there were any obstructions and I would have checked for a pulse and when I didn't find a pulse if that was the case I would have started compressions and I didn't have my bed bag so I would have continued compressions we don't do um, we don't give mouth to mouth anymore um, so I would have continued compressions at a rate of 100 um, a minute until help arrived. And by compressions, what do you mean? Um, I would have prep, put my hands, uh, stacked my hands and pressed his chest. Chest compressions. Chest compressions, yep. yeah. And what's the point of doing chest compressions? Um, pumping pumping the blood for somebody that's not doing that themselves, um, trying to get a pulse back. And were you able to do that, any of those steps? No, sir. Why weren't you able to do any of that? Because the officers didn't let me in to the scene. I also offered, in my memory, I offered to walk, kind of walk them through it or, or told them, if he doesn't have a pulse, you need to start compressions. And that wasn't done either. And so when it, well, is this, are these things that you wanted to do? It would have, it's what I would have done for anybody. And when you couldn't do that, how did that make you feel? Totally distressed. Were you frustrated? Yes. Ms. Hansen, you know, I, as I told you, we can take our time, so feel free to just take a minute. And you need a drink of water, go ahead. Okay. So I think, um, on one hand, it was easier to keep things together when I was just witnessing the video, but I just hearing from people who were actually there um it was a lot and it's it's still a lot the trial's still going on um by the time um you hear this episode it'll probably or i'm not sure how long the um prosecution will last but um the trial will still be ongoing um and yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess it just um, reiterates the importance of pushing back against the system. You know, in, in the moment, in the day of, there isn't really much more that you can do um, other than what that teenager did was to film, film the officer. Um, that is your right and in doing so, she preserved this case. Um, I don't know that without the video, um, the verdict that's reached, even though it may not be the verdict that we want, um, the heightened 
sense and the public eye on this would not be there without the video um or it would be with whatever video the police decide to release to the public um months and years down the line um so it's that's always of utmost importance is if the only thing we can do is film the police that's what we have to do um but this just reiterates the importance of fighting against the system that means doing whatever we can that means holding holding them accountable in ways that they haven't been held accountable before that means defunding the police that means taking money out of these bloated budgets um and putting them into systems that actually benefit the public because if the police are not a benefit to the public and if the police are only protecting property property and not protecting lives and actively engaging in taking lives then why are they also taking money they don't need that money they don't need more money to go and take more lives that money can be used elsewhere that money can be used in other places that would benefit the public interest um and that means ending qualified immunity that means breaking down the wall at breaking down the wall and the chokehold that the police unions and that the police have on the city and making taking power away from them so that they can't protect these bad apples even though the whole tree is rotten that's it's taking all of this power out of their hands um because they are public officials these are public officials that are murdering public citizens um so yeah i'm i'm going to keep paying attention to the trial now that i've been hooked into it um but um what happens with everything what happens with the trial what happens in Minneapolis, what happens in every other major city in the country, um, what happens with the police, what happens with the public, that's all, that's all stuff that is, that is unfortunately to be determined, but, um, as we've seen over the decades and over the years in this country, um, the needle only shifts so far, so quickly, so, We have to see what comes next. Thank you, as always, for listening. Peace out. Be safe. All right, so I don't have much to say on this, but I I just wanted to come back and re-record this because not even a day removed from me recording this episode, um... On the Chauvin trial, we have yet another black man killed by the police in Minnesota. Um, Dante Wright was a 20-year-old kid who um, was stopped by the police for a fucking air freshener in his car. An air freshener was, was the reason for him to be pulled over. Um, 
and in the midst of the stop, um, the police found um, a warrant for his arrest. They tried to arrest him, and he got back in his car, and they shot him. And they shot him, and he ended up crashing his car um, down the road. And of course, after the fact, like every other case, the excuse from the officer is, I thought it was my taser. The officer that's trained um, with a loaded weapon on their hip just, oops, whoops, it was, it was my other gun, not that one. I picked the wrong one. You know, the excuse that's been used so many times over that you know, covers them from any sort of accountability. It covers them from being held accountable and allows them to say, oh, you know, see, the problem isn't the police institution as a whole. We just need more training and more funding, you know, so we don't make those mistakes on the job. It's just a matter of better training the police in order. So this is a cry for help for us to increase our budgets even more so and more so. Fuck all of that. Um, I, I really don't have much else to say. This is really, really fresh. Um, and there's still a lot coming out in regards to the case, but it's just like you can't even process. Again, I say it over and over and over again. You can't even process one police murder before the next one rears its head. And this one only being, what, like 20 minutes outside of Minneapolis um, where George Floyd was killed. So rest in peace, Dante Wright. Justice for both of them. Peace.